Welcome to episode 44 of Consensus on Reality, the podcast with which you are obsessed. 44 on the floor. <laughs> um, so today we're going to be talking about uh, alien abductions and the entire sort of lore around that, but from the particular angle of the infamous uh, Andresen affair, uh, which I kind of just thought would be a cool, because it's, kind of, it's a very weird one. So I thought it would be nice to get into that. But then it turns out that she just died like a week ago and I didn't know. And, and Dave, you knew. So you were like, so we were on two different wavelengths. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like a weird sink in itself um, because I picked up the book when I was in California just randomly. I didn't really yeah, I know anything about this one. Uh, it's great. And then, you know, I saw you post it and I was like, Hey, I got that one too. Um, and yeah. then she like died just a couple of weeks ago, Betty Andreessen. Um, right. And, Luca is her last name now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it's an insane, uh, contactee story that I think it's kind of like, it's a little bit of like our bread and butter, you know, because like oh, yeah. it, it encapsulates like so much of like the new folklore the new ecstatic religious experience but then yeah. there's also like you know you peel the layers of the onion and there's crazy conspiracy stuff it's kind of like a test kit of, of like yeah. human psychology um yeah it, i had read it in in college and like when i was reading like you know a couple ufo classic books a month and i promptly kind of forgot it and then i I've been kind of like looking back through that chapter of, of my reading history and saw this copy at a bookstore when I was out and I was like, this is a cool first edition. And it's, so, and it's probably like, and if you got it when you were in California, it's like very possible we got it on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a wild sink. Um, you know, yeah. little reverberation. And then she died too. Yeah, that's right. She died. Um, uh, and man. of course we would like to compel you to check out patreon.com slash consensus on reality, oh, yeah. where we'll be doing some bonus material, uh, after this episode, kind of getting into the occult connections of the contactee movement. Um, spoiler alert. We'll be talking about the slap heard around the world and how this connects to <laughs> UFO contactees. I'm not even fucking kidding you you're not all right it's true what was that um, all right yeah patreon.com slash consensus unreality uh also we'll be rambling about re-engaging some uh ouija board um and other yeah. divining practices we kind of have some new stuff about coming up on like a, a year later since we kind of started those experiments and uh yeah I think some things are starting to click, so check that out. We're always doing um, bonus episodes over there and, and bonus add-ons, some little write-ups. Um, we have great conversations with our patrons over there, so patreon.com slash consensus on reality. That's the advertisement. Nice. That was pretty good. You. Uh, you should join. It's Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and... Anyway, maybe we should just get into it. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's Andreessen affair. Man, um, it's funny because you know we do a lot of bouncing on this show, which which I really love. Like you know with the tagline, making new connections between high strangeness, unexplained phenomena, and the occult. 
is what we do here. Um, and I'd like to think that we do do that kind of just keeping it casual and opening up the conversations. Um, but yeah, it's the contact D stuff that really, really gets heavy for me. Uh, just because it's, it's sort of like this weird, like, uh, alchemical pool of like human consciousness you know and it will really like spin you um where you know the famous robert anton wilson quote where it's like once you exit chapel perilous you'll either be agnostic or stone cold paranoid well this stuff could like easily send you into stone cold paranoia you know yeah it does and and has i feel you know it comes in waves um something I, i really like about this is and I think part of it's like staying power in the subculture um, is the title of the Andreas an affair. Calling this like an affair is like, because I feel like there's this thing where they're often called cases or like, you know, like the Betty and Barney Hill case. And it's like, it has this kind of like uh, real fifties, like, you know, it's like you're on the case, but the, calling it the affair gives it this kind of like, strange kind of mystical like uh romanticism about it and it's it kind of is like a it's it's like long affair like it's there um yeah for me it there's a lot of comps to you know the agony and ecstasy of um saintly uh visionary experiences mystical experiences um like yeah like is that like it's almost like right Uh, a lot of it's so jesus-y the descriptions remind me a lot of people's descriptions of DMT trips, um, which, you know, we'll kind of hint on a little bit in terms of maybe the application of mind altering substances. Um, and, and oddly the description, which we'll get into as well from, uh, the, the hypnotic regression sessions of Betty Andreessen. Um, the descriptions remind me a lot of, the Wizard of Oz, weirdly enough. Yeah. The green. Well, yeah, like the the green, like emerald, like dimension she answers she enters into, and like the red. What her more than like anything else this time? Like when I first read this, it was like just another trippy kind of like wild raw material of language from the abduction like folders. But looking at it this time, it's like uh, her experience is so much like uh it just feels like an alchemical allegory like like one-to-one like there's like it, you don't even have to like compare it to that it feels like it just is that right I, it's it's so weird how like the adjectives and verbiage of like some foundational uh conspiratorial writings like the james shelby downer stuff kind of comes out in this too like the the psychosexual mm-hmm. Uh, melodrama yeah. of America, as, as he yeah. famously wrote in um, in King Kill in the beginning of King Kill thirty three, and then also like the greening of America, like mm. as she describes entering this green crystalline world, um, yeah, where she can see colors, but only through this green filter, and it's like this this kind of description of color that doesn't exist in our known, you know, reality. Right. And yeah, she goes through the, yeah. I mean, maybe we should, I mean, so she's sitting, basically the book is by Raymond Fowler, Fowler, uh, Raymond E. Fowler. And the bulk of it is made up of transcriptions of her, uh, hypnotic regression, like 
therapy or, you know, she was trying to figure out what happened to her. Kind of like very classic, like, you know, Whitley Strieber went through this, the the Hills went through this. It's kind of like, and it's funny because so recently that whole methodology has been pretty much like rejected as like, I can think of the case of like David Jacobs. People a few years ago were really tearing him down for like manipulating and like, you know, really like messing with his, his subjects and to like get a certain narrative out. Like right. Coloring, coloring in the hypnosis a little bit. Yeah. And almost like to like a sort of like dangerous extent, like messing with these people's minds. So like, there's like a dark aspect of this hypnosis thing. And of course there's the whole, you know, kind of hypnosis as we know it came out of these attempts at mind control, basically like the kind of regression type stuff. It's, of course, there's like mesmerism and stuff, but you know the uh, Estabrook's method of like pulling out like the, you know these certain things from early like implanting, like you know all these different like weaponized hypnotic things. It all gives it a darker, sort of a darker cast than what I used to think. You know what I used to think of like these like as some like sort of magic trick to get to like hidden truths i I mean wasn't there like kind of a fascination with hypnosis from in the early modern era though like people like hg wells were very struck by hypnosis and that's uh, like the mesmerism thing freud as well um animal magnetism right right um yeah so i i think it kind of started as this tool that had uh benevolent functionality but then got co-opted immediately as things do right right yeah, I, yeah. I mean, more like this, like this iteration of like um, the kind that I feel like was very popular in the alien abduction era is like very, uh, yeah. That's kind of more like not like the sort of stage mesmerism slash hypnotism or like the you know quitting qu- quitting cigarettes kind of hypnotism. Like more like this. Uh, as if like the human mind suppresses this information and that, which can then be dredged up, which, you know, right. Yeah. No, like unlocking the human mind is a, is a form not only right. of mind control, but also of, you know, uh, gouging secrets out of the human mind or, or for or like, and yeah, mode, mode, and in the process of like of, espionage or something, you know? Yeah. In the process of doing the gouging, I feel like a lot is like created as well. So it's like, sure. There's always going to be these, you know, artifacts of of the process being created and so i don't know i mean but then on the other hand i don't think that the abductees who do go into these hypnotic regression states are making this up out of whole cloth or anything where i don't think this is like uh and i don't think they're being like brainwashed necessarily i i mean i do think there's some truth to the hypnosis as like an effective way of recalling things but I, you know it's kind of like a gray area in my understanding of it well yeah uh you would have to assume that like it conjures especially in the instance of the uh a ce4 right or is this mm-hmm. a ce5 no a ce4 ce5 is the the drawing them drawing down yeah, the Greer. Moon. Yeah. Um, Stephen Greer. Yeah. In the instance of a close encounter of the fourth kind and alien abduction, I think that it 
respectfully, we would have to assume that what comes out of the hypnosis is a sort of like totemic um, amalgamation of what the actual experience was, you know, like, I think there's kind of the mind filling in the blanks as if like, you know, the whole, the whole like mask wearing movement of COVID has that weird effect of you filling in like the bottom half of somebody's face. Right. And then you see, and then it's usually face. wrong. It's always <laughs> wrong. Yeah. So I, I Not think, all, yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. You're guessing people's faces. Yeah. 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 You know. yeah. Um, anyway. so, sometimes you're right. Right. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't think so. No, I'm just kidding. No, you're never right. <laughs> yeah. You're, it's kind of like drawing the other half of an elephant or whatever, like after someone else did. Yeah. I think that's, that's a large part of the story. I mean, what I yeah. also love about, you know, close encounters of the fourth kind is that it's a way to really tell other people's stories that haven't been talked about a lot of the time. Like I feel like, you know, the Betty and Barney Hill, which this has a lot of similarities to, um, and you know, they're both named Betty, which is kind of funny, but, um, I feel like the Andreas on affair hasn't been talked about a ton. And, uh, it's a really cool way to kind of drudge up this, modern folklore you know and this person's just strange story um and there's a a lot of you know there's a lot of directions you could go into try and explain uh what it is what the cause of this might be and what it actually is uh we'll never know probably unless there's some file in a locked away in an underground base somewhere but i i just think i think that part of the the whole storytelling of it is, is really interesting and I, I really enjoy that aspect. Yeah. Um, it's like, I think you were saying earlier, it is, it's very much like directly in the center of the wheelhouse of this podcast, because as the, even like in the Andreas and affair book itself, there's a bit of the hinting at the like strange, like military stuff that starts happening. But yeah, yeah. Mostly, I mean, like in, by the time it gets to, so then there's the Andreas and Affair phase two, which is very hard to find. Um, and then there's the Watchers and the Watchers two, and then there's the Andreas and Legacy. And that's like the whole Raymond D. Fowler, Andreas and uh, saga. And recently, like just before she died, a few years before she died, her and her husband, uh, Bob Luca, who is also like a, contactee in his own right um wrote this book uh a lifting of the veil a lot of like a lot of which is dedicated to the pretty wild harassment by um various american military organizations so like you know the army and the navy like pretty well documentedly were like hacking into his computer right and like um they would fly black helicopters over their house like if not every day, then like several times a week. And yeah. they were kind of like chased out of their, like they had to move all over New England. And she has this, I've been listening to a lot of interviews with, with her. Um, there's a few that you can find like on the, on podcasts, but she has this like super Massachusetts, like JFK accent. <laughs> I, I highly recommend listening to her talk she's talking about like orbs there's orbs in the in the yacht um yeah yeah just before we get into the background of it um i think that aspect the black helicopters is a really fascinating like ufology archetype in itself um for sure it it's one of those you know 
onion layers of the onion, you know, on its own, because, you know, people talk about the black helicopter. I'm seeing black helicopters, like the, the scene in Goodfellas where he's like, I'll show you want helicopters. I'll show you helicopters. And he like <laughs> gives her some fucking blow. But like, um, it's, it's really funny. And it reminds me of a scene in Hellier when, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> the one guy goes to the location and there's a, a black helicopter flies over him and, you know, it seems kind of ridiculous because he's like, they're on to us. Like, they know we're out here. And it's like, yeah, all right, man, they, they care. Yeah. But like, the more you kind of like research this stuff and the actual like documented harassment of UFO contactees by actual helicopters, like unmarked helicopters that have been like traced back to, um, you know, branches of certain governments um and then also kind of breaking down some other contact e cases like i've been reading um and i'm almost through uh nick redfern's book which is sorry pulling it up here um top secret alien abduction files i didn't really know what to expect from this one nick redfern's kind of an interesting character um written a ton of books on the subject uh also makes appearances on like ancient aliens so he's kind of like you know in the biz um but this book is is really good and it's like it really induces that strong state of paranoia about the subject um where it can it provides a case you know that they might be you know one thing veiled as another thing veiled as another thing but essentially carried out by human beings which it's just a whole another conversation in itself. And I think we'll, we'll get back to that part. Um, but let's talk about, let's talk about the background of, of this case, I guess. Yeah. Um, she was like, a, at the time of the like revelations of these abductions, she was a housewife type person with seven kids. And, you know, I think the, the release of the Andreas and a fair book kind of, I'm not sure if this is right, but uh, gave her a lot of grief from from people, and but you know, kind of kept going. Um, in the same way that it's like in like the Streber communion like mythos, I feel like it has a similar sort of lifelong interaction with these entities. Um, right, right. Classic, but she, yeah, classic grays. I mean, they're like. She Pretty has much, yeah. very vivid descriptions of like uniforms and stuff. Um, this occurs right. in uh, what nineteen sixty seven in New England. Um, as she's watching Bozo the Clown on TV, um, <laughs> and they see some UFOs, and the and the the Greys enter into her house like right through the door. Yeah, like, seemingly through yeah. the door. She's um, one of these like abductee artists like uh, David Huggins, where she has like, it's not as uh, prolific as he is, but like, she's pretty good at capturing the like strangeness of these encounters. Yeah, the the Greys had these little phoenix emblems on their sleeves, um, which is, you know, that's how it's described in in Fowler's book, Fowler? Fowler, (laughs) Yeah, uh, which is interesting because it could be an eagle, you know. um, Right. Um, but, and that's, yeah. yeah, that's also, I mean, so she's taken on these very trippy journeys. Uh, she gets the usual, like, bodily invasion, uh, not as bad as some of the stuff that happens to other abductees, but. But the the, the conversation yeah. um, with 
what is it? What is the gray that she converses with? Oh, it's, yeah. What is his name's like? Quagar. Quagar or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, yeah. She has this like really strong. It's like a high strange situation. Um, it's a, it's a lucid conversation. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. the, the, we'll call them aliens for now. The aliens are communicating telepathically uh, yeah. into her head, but she's having a very lucid conversation um, where she like they're they're essentially asking her to board their ship and go with her, and yeah. she doesn't. She feels that this is like a kind of religious experience for her as a very religious woman, um, right? And she asks, uh, "Are you of God?" And they say, "Yes, I'm of God." And she says, <laughs> "Okay, I'll go with you," which is kind of strange. I don't know if I'm going, but you know, yeah, maybe this woman is really brave or. or they, they communicate to her that it's important for the fate of humanity, right? So she thinks she's doing as they the always right thing. do, yeah, yeah. Um, and they ask for like something to eat, or like that's like the impression she gets. Oh right, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. She makes them some. They need meat. something, yeah. She like, and then they don't eat it because they only eat things that are burned. And then she gives them this burned meat, and she's like, "We didn't mean that kind of food." So she's like, "I think I know what you want," and she gives them the Bible, right? <laughs> and like, so I guess what they meant by eat was like some sort of spiritual thing <laughs> like you know that's implied but then right they like tear it like they multiply the bible into like several copies of it and they're like these blank luminous pages in these copied bibles and they like page through it very quickly i guess like we're to infer that they're like somehow absorbing the information that way and, and they give her back this little blue book um that she which, she keeps yeah. afterward after the whole yeah, affair she does it later disappears, so it's not super clear what's in it. But um, so she does. She boards the ship, and um, there's a series of kind of what people I think now would expect is like a typical CE4, like alien abduction, like medical experiments. Right. Um, a series of like the, yeah. injections. Um, she's and then you know she's she's put in this right. robe that's kind of like a medical garment. Um, She's... The way she describes it, too, at least this time around in this particular book, really made me feel like it's entirely possible that this is a person who has been given like a very high dose of some kind of psychedelic and is being surrounded by people wearing alien costumes doing medical procedures on her. It like felt very much like that's very possible. Yeah. For this aspect, but then like later on, it becomes yeah that becomes less uh, convincing of an explanation, but. The whole like what people call my labs military uh, abductions, right? Are right. that it feels and that even be, you know that becomes a part of her story later on, like almost like in name, like and the military. Yeah, yeah. It should be mentioned too that we know from Freedom of Information Act documents that there was like a rigorous testing on hallucinogenic aerosol drugs for biological warfare. Uh, in certain parts of the United States, and um, it's something called the buzz. I forget what the chemical mixture mm. is, um, but it it's creates like a, a strong disorienting uh, yeah. disassociation. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, that's certainly like a very likely interpretation. Um, and it, uh, I think I mean, in that you know. state, you know, like the, the propeller of like a helicopter could be made to seem like a ufo right um sure i mean it, it all reminds me of there's this writer carla turner who 
wrote this book taken and then another book called into the fringe. Um, and that's a lot of that's about moving from this like alien abduction paradigm to like, uh, there are probably aliens involved, but it's mostly fucked up, like government experimentation. Um, or she talks about like meeting this person who was like an actor in like one of these, like, it's like this whole, like, like they build these like fake sets on which they do these things. And it's like, this person's like, Oh, I, uh, pretend to abduct people. Like, or, right. you know, it seems like, like far out yeah. and, and, and you would, I think anyone normal who's listening to this, who doesn't like have a large background about the abduction phenomenon would ask why, would they go through these lengths to, just to perform some medical experiments when they could just disappear somebody or whatever. But like, yeah. I think that the process of like doing this and creating this mythology is, is part of it as well. I mean, like it, it allow it affords an opportunity to veil one thing within another thing and create this like dense mm -hmm. sphere where you can basically do things in the future that are unrelated under the same veil that you've created yeah. in the past. Um, which is a very scary and interesting thing. Like, yeah, creating like an alternate world in which this is true so that you can like do whatever you want within that like hypothetical world. It is scary. Yeah. But then I, on the other hand, I think that there's a very real paranormal aspect to all this. Yeah. Like, right. I, I it's just confusing. Like, I, it's so confusing. <laughs> I know. Right. I, yeah. I mean, it's, it'll drive you nuts. It's very hard to parse out. And when I was kind of like having this like, these paranoid revelations earlier today I, I had to do a run down to the capitol to um deliver something for my job and i'm Whoa. i'm like at the peak of this like paranoid thought you know and i see a sign yeah. jessup <laughs> no way like, what <laughs> like oh my yeah. god like at morris k jessup who we, we've spoke about right. on our you know i think second episode is kind of the definition of the end result of the paranoia aspect of the phenomena. Um, right. And, and he started from, so he like started from like the most almost pure scientific, like American, like enlightenment position on the thing. And he ended up like probably suicided. Like, yeah. And uh, of course, arguably so did uh, Paul Benowitz of the Dulce sure. affair, um, which, you know, Adam Go rightly spoke about on an episode with us uh, concerning his book yeah. uh, "Saucers, Spooks, and Kooks," which is incredible and gets into the whole Mirage Men effect um, with Richard right. Doty and uh, all yeah. of this stuff. Yeah, and uh, uh, Penny Royal, the Penny Royal podcast, has had a few like a pretty strong like two or three episode run on all this. Yeah, uh, recently, like about about these very like. Uh, the kind of mental work you have to do to not like make up your mind about this thing because as soon as you do it's so easy like you're you're almost wrong right away like as soon as you think like oh right. this is this is all like a sort of government like a lot of the sort of conspiracy people on twitter and stuff are like pretty sure that like all of this stuff is like Air Force and CIA like testing and torture and mind controls like it's all pretty explainable by but yeah that's an the, American empire but the, it's like the, as the, soon as you think that it's not like you find so many examples of like well it's not 
it can't be all of it. Like not all of it is that because of this, like this strange thing, you know? Yeah. That's the insane refraction that's cast by the phenomena is that it's very easily, it's very easy to believe that it's, you know, a government nefarious experimentation, but then also like if you've switched gears a little bit and you would listen to somebody like Terrence McKenna talk about his experiences with DMT and the machine elves and stuff. And this is a very like lucid, intelligent man, um, an academic of sorts. I know he's pretty kooky, but at the same time, like it's a purely psychedelic experience. Um, and you know, kind of like a pseudo religious experience in itself. And, and that's like, that's a free will, you know? Um, so I, I don't know. It conjures like those kind of visions and stuff too. Yeah. Uh, and then of course there's like the religious experiences of the past. Um, getting back to this book, I think like one of the things that struck me and is, you know, a large part of the story, uh, is the illustrations like the, yeah, they're great. They, there's a lot of like, um, S and M kind of like stuff like they're the, so she, she gets, she goes on the ship and she's like going through this medical testing processes and she's being talked through with her liaison on the ship one of the greys who's like you know this is this will be okay you'll you'll be okay this will be fine and they put her in this chair and they're going to be like and they're like we're going to submerge you and she's like i'm not going to be able to breathe and she's like no it'll be okay we're going to give you these tubes and they're going to seal and you'll be able to breathe and she's like terrified you know um She's very frightened by this. She's like, no, I, I won't be able to breathe. I'm going to die. And they'll be like, no, you're fine. You're fine. So she she's in this chair and she's covered by what looks like this like latex covering, almost like a, like a vacuum bed or something. And she has yeah. these tubes coming out of her nose and mouth. And it's filled with this gray fluid swirling around her. And she describes it as this like very calm, soothing whirlpool. Um, and then she's she they're like okay we're gonna give you something to ingest now, and she's right. like I don't what is it I don't I don't I don't want it um and they're like no it's it'll be fine it's it's fine it, they're real pushy these greys, and they give her this like um syrup in in one of the tubes and she she says it tasted good it was like this sweet yeah. syrup I mean <laughs> like it's it's so strange and this doesn't even begin to get into the more like um traveling psychedelic aspects of the experience this is just like the the medical testing parts but she illustrates this in the book um yeah the illustrations are so good yeah and yeah this is like it's kind of like they're packing her for shipment sort of like i guess maybe the implication is that she's traveling you know either through space or like through some dimensional kind of like you know, somewhere where she can't be exposed at all to like, you know, the raw world. So does it, and yeah, that's the preparation for her like astral travel. And doesn't it remind you a bit of the egg chair in like the Montauk project? Yeah, for sure. It, it reminds me of, uh, of that. And like a bit of the, um, sort of weird organic, gross abduction sequence in uh, fire in the sky right where it's like this like sort of translucent pouch is stretched over the guy right um yeah it's not it's like this is like one of the most famous abduction cases and it's kind of like has these 
very strange like aspects to it that aren't really remembered like after that she's when she gets to wherever she's going she's in this like rock walled tunnel and there's a lot of like hinting at like inner earth stuff in this book as well like the aliens will say like there are beings like us that come from inside the earth like, yeah and the but, visions are like are very yeah. similar to the shaver mysteries as well for sure and like she, and yeah like the little she like anyway she's going through this like dark tunnel like on this black very like she said it was like the width of a book or something like this black track and her and the aliens are floating along this track and it's like yeah. this weird anti-gravity thing and it's like a tour because then she goes through this red zone where these little like very shaver mystery-esque um alien monkeys with like eye stalks are like climbing on like ruined buildings like this kind of post-apocalyptic red hellish zone yeah 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 it's it's a yeah. land it's like a desert land with like buildings and um there's these entities cl crawling all over the buildings that have like these long spider-like limbs but they have yeah. like eyes just on top of like a post on their body uh and it's funny like yeah this is the great thing that happens like you know talking to somebody else about it because now i'm thinking about it and it reminds me a lot of the travel the astral traveling through the emanations of the mauve zone in in uh, right. the writings of, of grant stuff too uh, um yeah i mean it feels very much like an occult or alchemical like uh initiation and i think she even uses the term initiation in like a later book like in so much of the occult like tradition of that and like the even like the conspiratorial aspect of like skull and bones initiations, like this whole tradition of like initiation is like this traumatic sort of strange experience. Um, and th that's, that's basically, and, yeah. that's the point of the book they give her too, is they, t at the end of it, they tell her this book contains uh, initiatory information that only right. you will know what it means. Um, and so she's she's sort of astral traveling on this on this like plane that she can look down off of um right and she's traveling over this kind of like very scary wasteland with these creatures and there's this massive pyramid um and she describes like a white shine to the pyramid which is well, that's when she gets into the green zone right or is that i guess she gets past that part and and she sees yeah. The, this pyramid structure that she describes as being sort of like the half of a star, but it, it's yeah. it's interesting because she describes like a white gleam on the face of this pyramid structure, and I don't know if she would know this um, or if other people know this, but the Great Pyramid is known to have had a limestone. The Great Pyramid of Egypt mm. is known to have had a limestone covering originally that was right. removed. Um, and like mined basically for materials, yeah. but it, it would have had this white gleam from the reflection of the sun on it. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. And like, there's this, she said there's like this Egyptian like head on the top of the pyramid as well. And, but she passes through this like mirror as, and right away she's in this zone that's completely green, just as like, cause the last one was like pure red. Everything was sort of tinted red. Now she's in this green zone, still going along this black. And she describes it path. as being like very beautiful and like crystalline. Yeah. And um, 
there's these huge buildings that are like made up. They look like prisms. She illustrates those really beautifully as well. Right. And like an, an ability to see colors, but everything's green. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, cue like the Pink Floyd money or whatever. It's like the entrance into Oz, you know? Right. Yeah, no, it's, and, and yeah, it just, it keeps coming back to like feeling very much like, it feels like I'm reading like uh, the chemical wedding of Christian Rosenkreutz or something like that. Right, right. It feels very much like information is being passed along via, like through this narrative that means something else. Uh, right. Or maybe, or maybe not, but she like comes to the end of the line and there's this giant like eagle and there's this and it's like this is like where the sort of because of course the christian thing has been there the whole time but this is she more or less like meets god like who is sort of like embodied in this like bright light gleaming behind the eagle and like that's god and the eagle is stand is like it's like a 15 foot high like eagle um, right and and foot footnote obviously the line eagle ox and man the vision of Ezekiel, the, yeah. the cherubim you know, right so you know it's maybe it's a an angel like or some or some sort of fierce representative of God but and like there's this immense heat coming off of it and at the foot of the eagle she sees this like uh, pile of ashes and so like the the phoenix is obviously called to to mind here but out of the ashes this giant worm comes and she illustrates that as well that's very dune like um yeah right and i mean at the uh, obviously like the phoenix was revered uh in egyptian symbolism and she also describes like a winged disc like a solar disc yeah which is also like the the symbol of ra in egypt and i think it was like she describes it she thinks it was like an incan symbol as she can recall right so, I mean, and obviously Ra is sort of an eagle god or, you know, some sort of, uh, at least unless I'm like terribly wrong, but I think there's a bird aspect to Ra. Um, but uh, it also has like this weird aspect of like the American bald eagle. And it's like, there's something really strange about that. Like that like feels like it's kind of calling back to like later on in like her life, there's this like sort of, uh, interest in like what the American government is doing involved. Like there's this like weird America thing, like in, in the worm that it rises at its feet has like this, this aspect of like uh predator and prey to it. Like, yeah. Another footnote too. I mean, there's the strange symbolism conjured there where it's like the dual symbols of the United States. You have both the Eagle, but you have the snake in the grass often right. portrayed as the Eagle with a snake in its talons. Um, exactly. There's a there's something interesting there as well. I I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the Scorpio is uh, mythologically said to be a dual sign, with the ascended Scorpio being represented by an eagle, and mm. this the constellation of Scorpio um, is actually revered in a lot of native culture cultures as a serpent and not as a oh, scorpion. If you look at it, yeah. It looks kind of more like a serpent with its mouth open and its tongue out. Right. It does actually look like a scorpion. A scorpion, yeah. That's crazy. So there's like, I mean, I guess like sort of star stuff happening here. <laughs> like, it's like, uh, the, I guess like the, the sun is obviously of some importance here because of this 
this bright light from behind the eagle and Ra being the sun god and all this it's kind of just like this uh extremely rich like symbology like yeah, it's like a, this woman it's like rotating cryptograph of like right. uh, archetypes you know it, it's like yeah it's extremely rich and it's so strange that this comes out from an alien abduction experience because you know even if these kind of books are shelves on the same shelf in a bookstore like you know alchemy and the occult and then like paranormal and ufos you don't really think of you know unless you're like a super sort of paranoid fundamentalist Christian, you don't think of like UFOs as being in any way related to, you know, like God or like al alchemy or like these sort of like heavy ancient subjects. Yeah. The like popular thing is like alien abductions are, you know, at their most mystical, like have to do with like some concept within the soul or something. <laughs> Yeah, or yeah, right. I mean, like the the kind of backdooring of, uh, oof, this is gonna come out some word soup now. But uh, the backdoor that evangelicals take on that is that the abduction phenomena is demons, which is often right. talked about on like evangelical radio and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty fascinating. Like you mentioned, that the two things aren't aren't really. Th thought to be like super connected i think people are really coming around to it and talking a lot more about the the more sure. occult and mystical connections but yeah it seems kind of like this twilight language in itself right the way that we're able yeah. to kind of read it and see like these different layers of symbology underneath this uh seemingly strange but straightforward story yeah, she's so interesting because that was like all right there. It was like already this very occult, like Christian mysticism experience. Um, but it was published like the Andreasen Affair is like a classic of like, like, you know, main era, like alien abduction. And like, we just kind of thought like, well, she was a Christian. So like they were catering to her when it might be more like, it might the, the Christianity mysticism, like ecstatic experience thing might be more fundamental to it than like they were trying to make her understand something through her own like frame of reference. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that part's, that's very interesting too. Um, Cause she kind of overlays that. I mean, that's obviously her input and that could harken back to, you know, filling in the blanks in the, hypnosis but then there's the sort of stuff that you know you would assume she probably didn't know i think which we kind of referenced there as well yeah yeah and another really interesting part of this is the guy who wrote the book himself uh is like he went on to sort of talk about he started out as like a like many of these people who get involved in ufos and abduction like maybe some involvement in intelligence spying on Russia. <laughs> like he kind of like says that flat. I just got his book Synchrophile, which is about his synchronicity experiences throughout his life. It's like, I think he wrote it when he was like 70 or 80, like relatively recently. And he, so, okay. He starts like all of these guys in intelligence, uh, us and moves after the war, I guess, into, like MUFON and NICAP, like the sort of civilian 
uh, UFO clubs. They're basically just like fan clubs, but you know. Um, and through, I think Alan Hynek, you know, who's like the legendary coiner of the Close Encounters scale and like worked on Project Blue Book and et cetera. But through, through uh, Hynek gets in touch with Andreasen and sort of falls into this thing that would like follow him for the rest of his life. Like, and then he like later wrote a book about how he had his own forgotten abduction experiences. And like, it's kind of this endless recursive loop of like, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's he, like, so even like this guy who's, you know, ostensibly just like the journalistic chronicler of this like woman's experiences becomes like an integral part of the entire lore of the thing itself. Like, it's just so fascinating. Yeah. No, the way that like stories blossom and shrivel at like people's lives, you know, the story of people's lives blossom and shrivel out of these like strange short encounters is, is like one of the most fascinating elements of this whole thing as we saw with the whole Jessup dimension and um, Anna Genslinger. Right. It becomes like a, it's like the new age quantum cliche of like the observer and the observed uh, affecting each other. But it's always like stranger than that. It's like, yeah, you look into the life of this like UFO experiencer and then you kind of just disappear. Like, you know, there's all these different ways that this can happen. Like, and certainly for me, like through my own looking into certain figures, like the closer you look to these people who claim to have had these experiences, the like your high strangeness life experience factor increases like by great magnitudes. Like whenever I'm actively looking into like Eugenia or Michael Wolf or something like, like really like digging into like the grit of, of their experiences. It's like, your own life kind of gets whacked into this crazy like thing. And I feel like we've seen that with the podcast as well. Like whenever we actively try to do something, it like goes like, you know, the, the pitch rises pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, the tangential tantrum. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, one, one case that sticks out to me in the Nick Redfern book. Um, oh Yeah. Uh, is the case of uh, 23-year-old Antonio Villas Boas, um, classic, who was a 20, yeah, 23-year-old Brazilian man, and he was, um, you know, plowing a field on his family's farm, uh, and he gets sucked up by humanoids in spacesuits, um, and has the this similar kind of medical examination, um, but at one point is put into a room. Uh, with a female entity um, and is made to have sex with her, but uh, he he enjoys it. And I mean, like the absurdity of it from an outsider perspective is like, it's like the goofiest thing, like maybe a trope on like a comedy podcast or something. But if you look into it, I mean, it kind of seems like it, it might be like a touchstone of the, the human, um, conduction of of these uh 
these abductions, you know, like yeah. it, it seems kind of like he might've been blasted with some sort of like hallucinogen and, and, you know, confused and bewildered, taken up and, and made to have relations for some strange reason. Um, yeah, I mean like by, by who, like who's like using these like weird, like apparently like anti-gravity craft to like go make, random people have sex with like it's like i wouldn't i guess it could be genetic experiments or like what who i don't know i mean i, I well i don't know yeah weird um yeah i don't know about uh explaining that one off um yeah it, it seems like in that case there's no um there's no reason to believe that it was an anti-gravity craft or anything. Like, I, I think it could easily have been like a helicopter that he was taken up in, you know? Um, it's true. He was just like, but like your volume just got a, a bit lower. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, where were we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. So I, I think that's kind of one of those examples of a case where, you know, it seems like somebody might've been in a, heavy uh heavily induced state of disassociation and could think something's like a crazy anti-gravity craft but it's actually just you know the the circular blades of a helicopter and i think that's kind of like when you look at the kenneth arnold crafts um and the comparisons to a lot of the uh, planes that were being developed and would come in the future. It kind of seems like he might have seen like early testing for you know like, like stealth stuff. Yeah, like a progenitor for like the stealth or the, the SR seventy one. That's possible. I I can't quite. Yeah, I can't quite decide on on that case because that's true. I I thought yeah, it kind of looks like a stealth bomber, but you know he gave it kind of like a weird spooky kind of you know cast to it like this kind of lunar shape but yeah i mean that's like an interesting part of anything but especially this is that like once something once the moment is gone and it becomes a memory it's immediately uh right. subjective and it's like a part of right. your own personal storytelling so if people see something that they can't really explain or describe i think they might start yeah. you know adding more in some cases adding more uh, fantastic elements to it yeah that's true i mean but if we go down that road it's kind of like you know the whole memory aspect of it becomes almost the whole thing and like it's i mean which is not necessarily the wrong path to go down because it's obviously important but yeah no i mean i think that's like really the end of the line and the end of the road of the whole thing is that there is there is no different people have different experiences it's just like well no no i mean there's no explanation like once you start to try and explain the phenomena because of all of it encapsulates and all of the intentional disinformation that's been put into it by both hoaxers and people intentionally crafting narratives for their own divisive um activities um and then also the subjectivity of the more ecstatic experiences that we're talking about uh once you start to try and define what this is um then you kind of fall off the balancing beam immediately 
because it's it's a lot right. of different things. It's so many different things. Like <laughs> the alien abduction phenomena is really like you know a countless uh, amount of different things that get yeah. amalgamated into one thing. I think. Sure. Yeah, I think that's important to keep in mind um, for any of this kind of stuff because. <laughs> Of course, a lot of it probably is like uh, nefarious actors like feeding into the myth itself to like cast a certain, you know, to send it in a certain direction. Like the, of course, there is the, the Betty and Barney Hill abduction and there was the things that were happening with Betty and Jason in the, in the 60s, but the really violent psychosexual side of abduction didn't really become super popular until like the 80s and 90s and it almost felt like it was slowly introduced like as like the and then it just as slow it just as like kind of gradually faded away and it's it's there in the betty and barney hill though um it is for sure yeah and and it's there in this one uh and it's it's interesting how stark the contrast is between this and the space brothers um the contactee movement that yeah. came before it of um, Adamski and uh, of um, what's his name uh, met the guy in Jersey Howard Men- Men- Menger? Oh, uh, Howard Menger, Menger. Yeah. Howard Menger Men- yeah. yeah and you know a few other examples like those um, contactee encounters are so different um, and they're basically just like uh kind of like round ta- table discussions with um, yeah. said beings. With like, yeah. And that's, I mean, so much of that was also kind of, you know, the hoax element was so big in those as well. Oh which, yeah. 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 It's dodgy. like none of it. Yeah. None of it was brought out through hypnotic progression, which is also interesting. Like, yeah. Well, not none of it, but I don't think most of it was like, most of it was just like Georgia Damsky being like, yep, I met Orthon and, or like uh, Frank Strangest being like, yeah, Valiant Thor lives in lives on the Earth now, and he's at the Pentagon. Like, right? And it, I it's mean, just yeah. for how hoaxy it is, and how like grifty the the contactee movement is, um, uh, versus the abduction movement, which I think is kind of like the people the abductees tend to have like a more genuine nature. And at least for the yeah. first wave of it. Um, yeah. But the contactee thing seems to have started as more of a grift. Uh, but at the same time, there's weird, consistent elements like the Venusians and stuff where it, you can't really tell if it's people playing on like a developed mythology or if that, that's in itself some weird archetype that arose, you know, from, from the ether of, of uh, the collective unconscious, you know. Right. Yeah, it's like the whole ufo thing is and you know it's it's not cliche yet but it's getting to be generally accepted that like it's there's a pretty good connection between ufos and other uh encounters with like you know beings you know fairy lore and like elemental spirits and like all these other things um so there's like if we include those in like the general through line of the whole thing, it has this very weird kind of almost cyclical trajectory of like different phases that sort of mirror earlier ones, but while incorporating the newest, it's like this really interesting um, 
historical process <laughs> that like yeah you know, maybe intelligent itself and i think we were we were talking about in a recent episode you know like why doesn't why aren't these stories out there now and like they are i, I think we'll talk about on the patreon a bit um how one family of contactees um has been going off a bit about stuff and and sort of threading <laughs> yeah. on twitter but yeah i mean th this stuff still is out there and i mean it, it has that grifty element where you know it, it's kind of like i don't know staring at a mirage but yeah i mean if, yeah. you, if you haven't watched um mirage men that's really a great documentary about um the divisive nature of the contact and the alien encounter story um so i would yeah. highly highly recommend that um and i would, I would recommend this book uh, a lot of it is is you know um what do you call it uh it's transcripts tra transcriptions of the yeah. of the uh hypnotic regression sessions um but, but they're, they're really it's it's fascinating though yeah they're fascinating it's it's almost like a a guided meditation i was listening to the audiobook and when and when yeah. she's like kind of like going through the portal of her journey and describing mm -hmm. it all it, it really is like uh descending upon this like vertical labyrinth you know yeah um and then unfortunately there i mean not as easy to come by, but the phase two book and then the watchers and the watchers two get like way more into the like weird sort of religious mystical side of it, which if that's the part of this that interests you rather than like aliens in a spaceship, then those are definitely worth seeking out because I mean, the watchers obviously is a reference to the watchers of the Bible, like the Archon as well um right yeah so um we still got a lot to talk about i think we're gonna head yeah. over to the uh patreon bonus episode so if you haven't checked that out it's only five dollars a month patreon.com slash consensus unreality that's where you yeah. can support us um uh thanks for listening as usual um like and subscribe i don't know what it does it bolsters yeah. our ego if you let us know you like what we're doing i suppose um and it keeps us doing this thing that we're at and after so thanks for this listening thing. as always yeah